welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we're continuing our devotional study series in the book of Psalms. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Odium and Church Crookham. And we'd love for you to join us over there. Good morning to you. I said last week that we were going to take another look at Psalm 32, um, this wonderful psalm which, uh, in which David celebrates the fact of his forgiveness, that he went from uh, an experience of real heaviness in his life to a place of real happiness in his life when he confessed his sins to God. But there's so much to this psalm and I just want to explore it again with you today. And as we read through this psalm, I'd like you to just look out for these headings because I think there is a progression through this psalm and uh, these headings will perhaps help you. So there is transgression to begin with in verses one and two. There is depression in verses three and four. That depression is alleviated by confession, we find in verse five, which leads to liberation. Uh, then we read in verses six and seven that as a result of this, there is God's protection, uh, and which finally leads on in verses seven and eight to a voice change where God speaks back to us rather than us speaking to God. And there is instruction from God. So let's read Psalm 32 again. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely, when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place, and you will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you, and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. So just again to go through this structure of the psalm, we begin with David speaking about his transgression uh, and uh, how he has sinned against God. And there's different words being used here for sin and transgression, which we talked about last time. He then speaks about the depression. And we're not talking here about clinical depression so much, but just a heaviness that is upon him 
because he is living in unreality. He's not confessing to God. And therefore, there is this groaning all day long. God's hand is heavy upon him. Uh, he lacks the, the joy of having a clean slate before God. But then we find that there is confession in verse five. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. There is confession, which is a very powerful thing for us to do, which leads to a liberation. He says, blessed is he. Double happiness comes as a result of us confessing and knowing that we have been forgiven for all our sins. And then he speaks in verses six and seven of the protection that we can expect from God. I'll just come back to that in a minute. But there is protection that God will bring to us. And then finally, as I say, there is this voice change where in uh, verses seven and eight, God says, I will instruct you. So there is instruction that God will give to us. So this psalm moves, as I say, from a heaviness to a happiness as a result of our sins being removed from us. And, and it really is a wonderful thing to know, even if we may not feel that we've committed some major sin in the last 24 hours or whatever, to nevertheless celebrate and regularly rejoice in the reality that we are forgiven, that God has imputed his righteousness to us. He has not counted our sins against us, but instead he has counted his righteousness for us and on our behalf. And as a result, we are in a great place with God and we can be confident of God's favour and blessing upon us because we stand righteous before him. Alistair Begg, a Scottish preacher, was talking about how he was uh, listening to some uh, music when he when he was younger. He used to his dad used to drag him to hear on a Saturday afternoon a Scottish male voice choir singing. And he said that they used to sing songs very heartily and gustily. And one of the songs they used to sing was called Rolled Away. And they used to roll their R's. They would say, rolled away, rolled away. And the burden of my heart was rolled away. And these guys, these fellows who were steel workers, these fellows who were shipbuilders, would sing from their hearts how their sins had been rolled away. And uh, their burden, the burden of their heart had been rolled away. And we can celebrate that reality in our lives. We can know God's protection. I love how it says in verse six and seven that surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place and will protect me from trouble. Surround me with songs of deliverance. I think that as uh, Christians recently, we've, we've got hold more of the whole reality of the doctrine of suffering. We understand that God doesn't always wave a magic wand. Sometimes there is suffering and difficulty that we have to go through. But I do think we need to be careful there that we don't end up in a place where we never expect God to actually do anything to deliver us from situations. No, God is a God who, yes, allows suffering, but also who brings salvation. 
who does answer prayer, who does protect us from harm, who does deliver us out of our troubles. And we can expect God's active involvement in our lives, watching over us, delivering us, providing for us, protecting us, healing us, doing uh, his works in our lives. And the psalmist certainly has that confident expectation. But let me just finish with verses eight and nine, because there the psalmist moves to instruction and he says that God instructs us. Now, I do love the way that he writes this, because this is not just a uh, very vague level of instruction. This is God personally guiding us as his people. And there is this wonderful uh, sense of God leading us and showing us the way that we should go. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Uh, I think uh, another version of the NIV has here, with my eye upon you. I will, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. God's eyes are upon us as he instructs us, as he teaches us. It's a little bit like this. Imagine if you were learning to drive. And you've got the driving instructor sitting next to you, telling you what to do step by step, watching you carefully, because obviously they don't want their car to be crashed. They are ready at any moment to step in and to take over the controls. They are constantly instructing you with their eye upon you, with your every move. They're watching what you are doing. And so it is with God as he trains us, as he teaches us. He is watching us. He is protecting us. He is uh, guiding us and training us in a hands-on kind of way. God just doesn't just pronounce commandments from heaven and leave us to get on with it. God whispers into our hearts. He speaks to us in our lives. He instructs us in the way that we should go. And this is a personal instruction and guidance that he gives to us. And of course, we may ask ourselves, how is it that God guides us? How do does God lead us and guide us in uh, the way that we should go? And of course, there are many ways. It's through, uh, through Chris other Christians. It's through we may have God speaking to us just in the quiet of our heart through his Holy Spirit. It might even be through nature. It might be through watching a film or whatever. But Ultimately, and most importantly, God speaks to us through his word. He instructs us through his word. The Westminster Shorter Catechism has this question in it. We're all familiar with the first uh, point in the Westminster Confession. Uh, what is the chief end of man? And it is, of course, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But the second question in the catechism is this. What rule has God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him? And the answer is the word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him. And then in verse in the question three is, what do the scriptures principally teach? And the answer is the scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of 
man. We can get God's instruction through his word on a daily basis. Now, there may be days when you think, well, I don't really know. I did my Bible reading this morning, but I didn't really feel as if heaven was speaking to me. But I tell you what, as you allow your heart and your mind to be shaped by scripture on a regular basis, you will find yourself thinking the thoughts of God, having the mind of Christ so that we hear him and live out his word in a natural kind of way. And so God doesn't have to shout at us through circumstances. God doesn't have to force our hand like a stubborn donkey that has to be prodded and poked to make it do what it's supposed to do. But instead, we have a sensitivity to God, which means that we're open to what he's saying to us. We're ready to respond to his promptings. We're, we're, we're ready to be shaped by his word in an ongoing an easy way so that God doesn't have to shout at us anymore, but rather he can whisper to us through our, through our reading of scripture, through our consciences as we hear his word. I love what it says as I finish in, in Isaiah 50, Isaiah 50 and verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. Let's be like that, folks. Let's be ever so sensitive to what God is saying to us. When, whenever you hear someone preach, you've got to believe that God had something to say to you through that message. Whenever you open your Bible, you've got to believe there is something in here that God is wanting to say to me. Whenever you reflect on his word, you need to know that it is God speaking. And even if you don't feel anything, nevertheless, it is his word which is there to instruct and to guide us. And so let's make it our prayer today that God guides us and leads us and gives us his wisdom so that we might go walk in his way. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your words. We thank you that not only have you removed our sins from us, but that you want an ongoing relationship with us, that you continue to speak to us day by day. And we pray that this day we may hear your voice. We may know your promptings in our minds and in our hearts. And Lord, that we would go in the way that you want us to go, that we would not be stubborn, that we would not resist what you're telling us, but that we would be quick to respond to your every word. We ask for this. In Jesus' name. Amen.